Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to this week's show. I think I'm still recovering from my turkey coma. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm enjoying the leftovers, to, to be quite honest. <laughs> I always love yeah. that leftovers, yeah. <laughs> this year I actually had leftovers, so it's been kind of cool and unexpected. This hasn't been so much nice. the case in the past. But uh, but yeah, we uh, we had a lot of fun here too. So well, this week we're going to have a clip show. We're looking at back at some things that we covered this year and last year, some good stories and different things like that. And we always have a lot of fun with these when we get around the holiday season. And this year is no different. So, you know, I, I don't know. I look back and I think about all the different people we talked to and all the different things that we've covered and that kind of thing. And it actually is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, next season, we're on the air 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that cool? You know? Yeah, it is cool. And, uh, <laughs> and that includes the original user-friendly. We started in... It was a 2013 and that uh, studio at the mall and, you know, which is <laughs> back on that. I just, <laughs> it just sounds so, so weird. It's a studio in a mall. It, we're yeah, in a mall that didn't have a door. I mean, every studio I've worked in since then, you have a like sound barrier, right? Yes. Uh-huh. And, uh, uh, we yeah. didn't have any of those things. And Hey, it worked. You know, I can't complain because we did get the show done and uh, yeah. Yeah, and it aired, and it was fine. And you know, if you want to check it out and see where we began, it's userfriendlyshow.com. We do have those episodes up there under the archive section, and they're a lot of fun to listen to. They were only thirty I minutes sound in those very days. Stiff. And, yeah, well, so do <laughs> yes. I. You know, yeah. I still, you know, those went out live too, which was <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is, is I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I was yeah, only yeah, yeah. doing it to help you out because you wanted to do it. Yeah, fast forward <laughs> 10 years and we're all still here, you know? So, yep. well, yeah. like I say, we've got some good stuff from the last two years. We've got it coming up for you here. So with no further ado, we're going to go into our first clip. Welcome back. This is user-friendly 2.0. You know, a question that comes in a lot of times is about these reality television shows. And one that is very popular is the one that's called um, Mysteries of the Abandoned. Yep. Love that. Yeah. Love that show. And it talks about all these places that are kind of creepy and kind of fun. And I'm not sure if I'd want to actually go see them in person, but watching them on television is just fine. Sure. (laughs) You know, and along those lines, when we talk about technology and pop culture and all the things we do here on User Friendly, there is a lot of technology projects out there that have become abandoned. Some of them we've heard of, some of them we hadn't. And you know, Gretchen, Some before we start, own. yep, yep, yep. <laughs> that's that's when it becomes a little bit of a difficulty. <laughs> but one of the ones you had talked about before we started recording today was C-band satellites, the big old satellite dishes. Uh-huh. Yeah, and yeah. when you think about what's actually out there, the that area of frequency of bandwidth is what's being used now for five G spectrum. So when they quit using them, the freed up those frequencies and they've reassigned them. But the question is, like with that, what happens to the existing project? Well, we're seeing them less and less, but there still are a lot of the big satellite dishes all over the place that are just there. And I know we were all involved in a house once that had one that we had to figure out what to do with it. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, And uh, but the other side of it is when you think of that is the satellites that are no longer used, that some of them may have been repurposed, but a lot mm-hmm. of them are just simply turned off and sitting out there. Yeah, kind of floating and, hi, I'm a hazard. Yeah, that's, that's what I was say. It's space junk. Yeah. Great. So one of these days, we'll have to have Mysteries of the Abandoned <clears throat> in Space. 
But uh, <laughs> Ooh, yes, that'll be uh, that'll be a new thing. I, yeah. I keep thinking about the um, remember you had VHS tapes, but you had the giant one that looked like a record. Mm-hmm. It was huge. And that only lasted for like a year or two or, you know, and like what happened with those? And wasn't that frustrating? <laughs> yeah. If you especially if you bought the equipment and that you're talking about a, a video disc. Yeah. Um, a laser disc. Now, those were two different laser things, disc. too. The oh. uh, video discs looked like they were in a plastic square container, and you put this entire thing into the player. Uh-huh. Kind of like a floppy disk, but yeah, kind much of, larger. Yeah, it was, and if you took it apart, which I, of course, did, much to the uh, <laughs> dissatisfaction of my parents. Um, oh, I had no idea. What was it like inside? Uh, it looked like a record. It, it literally wow. looked like a record. Weird. And um, so you had that. Then you had LaserDisc, which was like a giant DVD. And oh. that, that had its thing, too. But those were two different things. And both of them, at the time, you just had standard definition. So we didn't have HD yet, but you did have things like stereo sound and, in some cases, even five-channel sound. And the picture quality was a lot better than VHS, even at standard definition. Right. So <laughs> all the way around, it was really, really a neat thing. And, you know, some of the projects that have been out there, one of them uh, that comes to mind is Napster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Napster. And this this was something that uh, was the first file sharing and, and music sharing system. And the problem with it was is that most, if not all, of it was not licensed. Nope. So you were dealing with a lot of pirated material. But that is why we have things like MP3 players. And even that's starting to become obsolete now because most of us use our phones for that purpose. But the point of it is, is that's where all of that started. And you could go on and download a file, and uh, and and there you were. And in those days of the internet, of course, downloading a movie would have taken days, but <laughs> yes. downloading a song or a track didn't. And uh, <laughs> so, you well, know. see, I, I I remember when we used to be able to put your record on the on the record player, then record it onto uh, a, a cassette tape because you didn't want to, you know, screw up your records, and so you used the tapes. And then sometimes you would make mixed tapes that you would share to your friends and you could play it in the car. And, you know, if one of those got damaged, eh, no big deal. You you went and made it because you owned the records or the CDs in some cases. Yeah, Yeah, no, I remember definitely doing that. And it's kind of funny because I have a turntable set up again and I do use records still to this day. And I still have mine. Yeah. (laughs) And even though my brand new Dolby Atmos home theater system that I have now, yeah, it still has a phonograph input. People still like that technology, and I'm one of them. I, I, I do think that there are certain situations where it's not kind of fun to be able to play a record, but it's still not a reproduction, but the actual original sound. And for those of us that are really insane about audio, you can tell. So, you know, hey, another one, we talk, you all use our smartphones, and we're just talking about that as MP3 players, but do you remember BlackBerry? Yes. Yeah, they, I I can remember when these were used. Now, I never had a BlackBerry. I had a 3Com iPad. Uh, what was iPack is what that thing IPAC, was. yeah. And uh, But they used to call them Crackberries because the <laughs> users were on them all the time, uh, not on like smartphones now. <laughs> yeah. But you had something like that, too, for a long time. It was black and white. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? Yeah. 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 Oh, what was, was that? that? Thing? I don't remember what it was. <laughs> yeah, it was the 3Com. I don't even remember the model anymore, but I know what you're talking about. But I, everybody had them and they were really popular. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember yeah. what they were anymore. <laughs> and uh, 
Oh, those... and you had your phone numbers in there and your yeah, contacts it, and addresses. I remember I had to stop using it when when we changed to Windows Seven because they didn't want to continue support for it into Windows Seven. Yeah, so the device didn't break. No, the device didn't the break. They just abandoned changed, it. Changed, and it literally was a yeah. abandoned technology. <laughs> Yeah, and that device, 50 million were sold in 2011 as a for example. So it was a big deal. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they were able to send email and connect to the internet and do some things very basic. And like you say, black and white screens and all of that. Mm-hmm. That were yeah. a very big deal. The other one I think that we're thinking of is a Palm Pilot. That's that it. was it. Palm, Palm Pilot. Pilot. Yeah. yeah. I love my Palm Pilot. That thing yeah. was awesome. I liked mine too until I had some idiot set a UPS on top of it and destroy the screen. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. But, uh, <sighs> hmm. You know, and you were talking about DVDs and VHS. Betamax was another one. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took a video cassette, kind of like VHS. It was a different size, had mm-hmm. a little bit higher resolution, but VHS caught on and beta never really uh, went anywhere. Although, the no. machines were around for a long time. People did have them, so it was something that you could see, but definitely wasn't uh, uh, something that was a big deal. And, you know, that takes to other things. When you look at the Internet and the things that we use today, Netscape was one of the mm. very first commercially and widely adopted browsers. And mm-hmm. today they call it a dinosaur of technology. But <laughs> this was something that played a huge role and they actually um, won an antitrust lawsuit against Microsoft. So Microsoft's Internet Explorer product, they wanted the browser market. Netscape had it. They tried to buy it from Netscape. There's a whole story that goes along with that. And uh, finally, at the end of the day, Netscape was sold to AOL for oh, $4.2 with a B. Oh. Wow. So, And AOL is another one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, isn't completely gone. America Online still exists, and a lot of people still have email addresses there. But in the day, services like that, you connected to over a modem, and you were in this boxed-in sort of internet thing where you had a menu, you could get what they wanted you to, and it used the internet to work, but it wasn't like what we have now where you could just browse anywhere. People like to used to call that awful online. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Almost online. Almost or online. Almost That's the online, other one that I yeah. yeah. And I know in Germany it was all us online, so they kept with the A motif there. But, uh, hmm. yeah. So, <laughs> and there's a lot of these other things, and we might talk about this a little bit later, but, uh, but it's kind of cool to look back and think about nostalgic technology. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We've got a special extended question and answer segment for you this week. Got a lot of questions in. Keep them coming. And the way that you do that, well, there's a couple of different ways. You can give us a call. 503-766-6264 is our number. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Leave us a message. The other ways to do it is social media, one user-friendly on Facebook, one user-friendly on Twitter, or our website at userfriendlyshow.com. What questions do we have this week? Did my text on Verizon get hacked? Yeah, probably. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that was easy. And, and you I, just told me those those text messages were really secure. Um, so there, what's the deal? There are um, uh, <laughs> okay. How do I start with this? Text messages, generally speaking, are more secure than email. 
Uh, depends on the service, depends on a number of different things. But you do have a little bit less of the problem of things being intercepted. Unless you're Verizon or AT&T, because it happened to both, and use a third-party contractor to handle certain parts of your system that gets hacked or has somebody in their company that gets access to this information and gets access to the last five years' worth of text messages across the board for both companies and starts to release them. So that's what happened here. I'm and not amused. So, I'm no. sure those people aren't amused either. I mm. can only imagine. Although the other side of it is reading through that, most texts are pretty um, just kind of droll. Blah, 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 yeah. blah. Yeah. But there are people that share you know, information for financial accounts, that type of thing. All mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, and there's number one an archive apparently, and number two, this information did get accessed, and at least some of it has gotten out. Was it the image files too? The image files, yeah, the whole whole bit. Oh um, wow, somebody's somebody's suffering or having a fun time with all those uh, <coughs> illicit. Uh, yes, I can uh, only pictures, only of, cats. Yeah. pictures <laughs> of cats. Pictures of cats. Well, you know, yeah, the, sure, that's what I was thinking they were looking for. No. <laughs> <laughs> the thing of it is for me, and what surprised me a little bit about this night, I don't think it should come as a shock, but I didn't realize that the carriers kept your text messages. I didn't either. No, I didn't either. So, you know, just an interesting thing. Okay, what is an exoskeleton? Well, in Iron Man, it's a suit that has an arc reactor that uh, you can fly around with. Well, that sounds yeah. like fun. Mm-hmm. But, what about, in the real, and, but uh, what about in the real world? Well, is there a real world thing? What seems to be kind yeah, of ants have them. Yep. I, they, they, go ahead, Bill. <laughs> well, most insects have them. I yes. mean, that's why they call it exoskeleton. But I think we're talking about the more mechanical ones for humans now. Yep. Yep. In yes. fact, there are two kinds. These do exist. Uh, they're in their infancy. Uh, there's a passive uh, one that is one that basically just enhances your strength and stuff. They're limited to about 20 pounds on top of what you would normally lift. And then the mechanical ones are actually motorized, battery-operated. You can lift up to 500 pounds on the current prototypes. These things do exist, and we're starting to see them move in a direction that I think a lot of, you know, again, science fiction has told us about a lot of different things, and this is another one that seems to be coming to light. There's a number of manufacturers out there that are making them, and the uses for them are everything from warehouse work to enhance your ability to lift and not get tired and throw your back out and that type of thing to quality of life enhancements there's some cases where they'll allow you to walk where you normally couldn't you know due to an injury or something like that and some other things i think they're cool so you know i think i need to get one just to see what it is now there is another go ahead i was gonna say that's fascinating. That would lead into the next question. But if you have more to say on this. I was just going to say the price right now of these starts around $35,000. So yeah, that, that puts <laughs> it out car. of most people. Yeah, yeah most people can't do that. So that leads into our jetpacks reel. And well, we've seen jetpacks in everything from TV to movies for the last 30 years. So it could go back even further than that. In 1965, when Thunderball came out, the first James Bond film. The yeah. L rocket belt was the first jetpack I think the world kind of saw. Yep. Yeah. And it worked. <laughs> that was an actual thing. It worked. It's been used up until recently, actually, I believe. That's kind of cool. That is cool. Yep. No, the, the, <laughs> these things absolutely do exist. In fact, the FAA is having a problem with them outside of the Los Angeles airport, LAX, that there are people that fly around these at altitude. So and are these becoming more practical? I, I don't know if I'd go quite as practical. The fuel form is extremely expensive. 
And they're not like what you would see on Mandalorian yet. It's a thing that you stand in. It has the jet pack. There's a jet wing that goes on your back that, you know, runs as that and different things that people have designed. But they do exist. They do function. And I do think we're going to see the kind that we all think of from sci-fi directly available at some point in the near future. Again, there's a lot of cost with all of this stuff. And just like anything else, when they're new, the other part of it is the question, do you really want to be flying with this thing if it hasn't really been proven yet? <laughs> um, if something bad happens, you yeah. might fall out of the sky. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who said the same to the Wright brothers? <laughs> yeah, this is this is true, but I do think most people probably didn't fly the day that they did their first flight. <laughs> Unless you were in World War One. True. Should I upgrade to Windows 11 yet? That's what somebody's asking. Oh, yeah. No. Um, <laughs> no. No, no. Uh-uh. Okay, so Windows 11 is out. Came out on the 5th, uh, so last week, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And it does seem to work pretty well. I've installed it on my laptop just to have a computer that wasn't my actual production machine. And to be perfectly honest, I did not have the problems that, like with Vista or Windows 8 or anything like that. It does work. It, however, doesn't contain a lot of the features yet that they are really pushing with it. One of them that I wanted is the ability to run Android apps natively in the Windows environment that is coming, but it isn't here yet. It's going to be in the first update in a few months Hmm. and some other things like that. Doesn't that make it sound like it's not really ready? Well, what is out does seem to be ready and does seem to work well. It's just a lot of features were stripped out of it probably because they're not. So I think that might Mm. have something to do with it. But, you know, Hmm. if you put it on, it doesn't seem like it's going to crash the computer. The other thing of it is, is I did figure a workaround on this restriction with the secured boot and all that kind of stuff. There's an ISO format, which is like an image of a CD, uh, even though it's much bigger, but it's that idea. You can download it, and if you know how to do it, you actually can install it on pretty much any computer. But as far as it getting set up and going and doing the install, the process was pretty seamless. It does look a lot better. There's a lot of aesthetic improvements, but I would recommend highly waiting. This is new technology. Give it a little while. And if you do want to play with it, don't do it on a machine that you need to have work and make sure you back up. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Send us your questions and your comments. One User-Friendly on Facebook and Twitter. UserFriendlyShow.com is our website. We're going to talk a little bit pop culture, for 1960s pop culture, a little bit before and a little bit after, and that's with classic cars. Joining me now is Renee Browse with the Sherwood Chamber of Commerce. Welcome to User-Friendly. Hi, thank you. It's great to be here. So Cruise In is a big car show that's very well known in Sherwood, I know. And tell us a little bit about this. So Cruise in Sherwood is a annual event. Well, it was annual except for the last two years due to the COVID. But it's an annual car show that hosts around 400, 450 cars. It's a co-branded event with the cruisers, the Sherwood Cruisers and the Sherwood Chamber of Commerce. It's an event that not only has wonderful cars, but it's also an event for that's family friendly. There are booths and activities for the kids and 
than a block party at the end of the day with various bands that come and play and entertain all the guests who choose to dance and have a lot of fun. So do I have to have a specific kind of car? Does it have to be like a classic Chevy or can I enter anything? You can enter anything. There's a variety of different categories. It can be stock. It can be custom. It can be anything in between. So we have different years from the 1930s, 1920s on up to where we are today. Okay. So when I get my 1936 Auburn and my security guard to stand next to it, I can go ahead and enter that or (laughs) (laughs) anything on from there. Too cool. Too cool. Now, uh, you said this is very much a family event. And uh, from my understanding, it's held outside in downtown. And we're going to be in June this year. So the weather will be really nice. And uh, I think it's it's something to go ahead and bring the entire family to. Is there a cost to attend? There is not a cost to attend. There is a cost to show your car. It's $25 to show your car. There are vendors and food booths that will would be gladly take your money. But okay. as far as the event itself, it's it's free to the public. Okay, so typically it's free to get in, but there's a lot of places to spend money if you want to do that. And, Most definitely. <laughs> so, and you, I know you said this is an annual event. We've had a lot of those that uh, COVID has really disrupted things. And I'm glad to see this one coming back, you know, because we've lost a lot of things out there. Well, how many people attend this? And do you think uh, you're going to see the same amount this year? Yes. Annually, we have around 10,000 people that that attend the show. And if the amount of calls that I'm getting is any indicator of the amount of people who are ready to be back out at the car show, then it's going to be a jam-packed year. Yeah, I have a funny feeling there's a lot of people that are really pent up wanting to go do stuff. Yes, yes, (laughs) And this will be one of those type of things. So tell us a little bit, what kind of vendors? I know you said there's some food booths. What else is there? Yeah, lots of food booths. There's uh, there's going to be a new vendor this year called the Tap Truck. It's, they take a vintage car and they made it into a beer tap. Oh, wow. uh, there are going to be booths specialized in jewelry and crafts. There are vendor booths that are more like insurance, that type of thing. So there's a little bit of everything. And then you go to the kids zone and you'll find activities specifically for the kids. So like I said earlier, it's a family-friendly event. Now, if you have a car you want to enter, can you just register the day of the show or do you have to pre-register? You can, as long as we still have spaces, you can enter the day of the show, but we would prefer that you pre-register. And pre-register closes on the 28th. Of? May. May? May, okay. And how do you do that? Where do you go and what do you do to pre-register? Go to Chamber, or no, sorry, SherwoodChamber.org. Click on the 2022 Cruise in Sherwood logo, and you will see a tab that says pre-registration. So you can pre-register your car. You can also buy apparel up until the 20th of May, pre-register your apparel. And then if you want to volunteer, which in order to do a lot of the things that we're doing that day, we need volunteers. There's a volunteer tab as well. And volunteering for something like this, it's, it's a lot of help, but it's also a lot of fun. I've done events like this in the past, and anybody that wants to come out and just kind of be able to jump into things a little bit, I strongly encourage that. So SherwoodChamber.org, click on the Cruise In tab, go through. The forms are really easy to use, if I even say so myself. (laughs) (laughs) Since you did them, I think they're pretty easy. (laughs) There you are. are. And I'm going to be entering. um, My mom has a 66 Volkswagen Beetle. She bought brand new. We still have it in the family. 
and we just got done getting it rebuilt. So I'm going to be entering that myself this year. So that'll be a lot of fun to see how that goes. Awesome. Well, you mentioned that 35 Auburn. Do you not have that? Not yet, but maybe. Okay. I, I, okay. I don't know if it'll be before the deadline, though. Gotcha. I mean, that's <laughs> my hometown. Uh, hey, you know, cool. That works. Renee, <laughs> thank you so much. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Jeremy and Gretchen, you know, we talked about and saw all the stuff at CES last week, and we have heard in the news, and we continue to, that we're having a chip shortage. And it's been alluded to that maybe it's the zillions of features that we demand in our cars that's causing them to use a lot more chips, and that's at least what's causing some of the problems with chips in cars. What do you think about yeah. that? Well, it's definitely causing a problem with chips in cars, but for some reason, everything we do has a chip in it, and that's going to start getting real old real fast. Yeah. Well, and there's also like this disposable thing going on, too. So if you use, oh, your tech is old, quick, throw it away. Well, what happens to the chips that were in there? Yeah, a lot of times, unfortunately, they go into a landfill and start leaching chemicals. There, you know, in answer to that, and it's a good question, there are companies out there that recycle all of this stuff. And if you're getting rid of like just absolutely getting rid of tech, it's burned out, something like that. Take the time to go online and search it out because there's a lot of places they'll take them for free and then they'll extract the materials so that they can be reused. You know, uh, another way to recycle tech is make sure you delete all of your personal information and either resell it on a site like eBay or donate it to somebody that can deal with it. There's a, a lot of direction for that as well. But, uh, but yeah, that's definitely, you know, the speed at which we get through things. And then kind of circling back to cars here, some of the new features that are coming out. Now, on our current 2020-2021 model, you have, you know, pretty standard stuff. There's the roadside assistance and all those kind of things, uh, driving between the lines. Um, some people are lucky enough to have navigation. I'm not one of them. But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, a lot of these features kind of make sense. The heated seats are nice. Uh, I don't completely understand why that necessarily needs a chip, though. I had a 1980 BMW, which had no chips and had heated seats, you know. But, oh, mm -hmm. but, so they're adding chips in there for for what? Uh, so the computer can control all of these features, I would assume. Um, yeah, it was, you know, humans, we have our own little computer and it makes our hand go and touch the on and off button. Yes, yes. And it's just, you know. <laughs> But the thing of it is, is, is where this is going. I mean, some of this stuff sounds cool, but in a time that we can't get the basics, you know, I don't know, just my opinion of doing this. Let, let's talk about some of the more unusual features. BMW at CES displayed a technology in which you can change the exterior color of your car from a switch within the car. Yeah. Yeah. How many, how many chips does that take per, per body panel? Yeah, exactly. You know, and, I mean, that's, that's how it's over. I mean, it sounds gorgeous. It okay. sounds fun. It sounds amazing. I can see uh, the cops going, oh, this is going to be bad. And if you get in an accident, I mean, what are you actually breaking? <laughs> you know, but, um, oh. but, but there's that. All right. Another one that they showed off. It's a system by Panasonic, a 3D sound system. Thousand watts and twenty five speakers. 
Nope. <laughs> now, 3D sound <laughs> is something that you have in home theater. It's kind of cool. Atmos is a system that I really like. We've talked about it in the past where you can place sound within the room over a 3D mm-hmm. model. So if it should be overhead or far away or close, all that's kind of cool. If you're watching a movie in your home theater, I highly recommend it. But do we need that in the car? No. Probably No, not. you don't need that in a car because you have a front and a back. You have a left and a right. <laughs> and that's as much as you really need yep. in a vehicle with road noise. All right. How about a 31-inch theater screen with built-in Amazon Fire TV? In okay. the car? No. It, are, you, are you a limo service? You know, well, is, that, like, is, it, is this a widescreen for the back of my van? Yeah. Well, if, you know, and okay, I, mean, I could see it a little more <laughs> on specialty things like a limo. Okay. You're, if you have yeah. a limo, you might do that. But the thing of it is, is this isn't just a passenger car or SUV crossover type vehicle like we have now. And, uh, oh. you know, so I, just, <laughs> I, I just have to ask the question of why does the back seat need a 31 inch TV? I guess it's so that uh, people don't have to pay attention to their kids. Yeah, that's where uh, I, where yeah, I well. think that would be too. Which but. is, I, I think we need a little more communication between each other, you know, less, you know, screen time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, here's another thing for you to think about too. In addition to the hardware, this is creating massive, massive software. So to give you an idea, when the Chevy Volt came out, it had about 10 million lines of code, okay? That's 2020 mm-hmm. or 2011 model year. Right now, your basic vehicle has 100 million lines of code. Nope, that's too much. Uh, you know, there, there, there's it, obviously too many, too many things going on. Uh, you know, and they call it, it, it's like what you would have seen in a jet fighter 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, and uh, they're saying there's no such thing as bug-free software too. So this creates a problem. Yeah, they can do over nor hackable, hackable, and over-the-air updates. So you could receive an update while you're driving, and it changes something in the car that you don't know about. You know, I I, I don't. Didn't you didn't you have a car die on the free in the middle of the freeway on you? Yes. Yep. That was uh, and it was some kind of a malfunction with the computer system. Yeah, it wasn't uh, an over-the-air update, but it was a malfunction with the computer system. And it was augmenting the brakes later had a problem with it as well. But it just, uh, the computer stopped. And as a result, the car stopped because it couldn't synchronize the fuel flow or anything else. And since everything is computerized down to your fuel injectors and the way the engine runs and all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, you look at this and it's kind of across the board on other things. Nissan, as a for example, has this type of transmission that instead of having gears, it's basically two belts or chains that pull against each other. So the computer dynamically controls that as you drive, and it feels a little weird because you don't shift. It works better in a sense that it is more efficient, but if something like that malfunctioned with the computer, you wouldn't be able to do anything, you know? I thought, oh, so Nissan is now doing that too? Yeah, the, the, uh, the that type of transmission. My car has it. Oh. I mean, it runs just fine. I haven't had a problem. But the more you have stuff like that, the more it would be, you know, possible to break down. Now, I'm someone that loves yeah. tech, and I always am. But even to me, some of this seems to be a little over the top. And what's driving it is competition and marketing. The more features we can have, the more likely you're going to buy our car over something else. Plus, car manufacturers want to put this out where you buy things after you buy the car to have an income revenue stream like you would on your phone. So you can buy apps and upgrade things, and all of that would, of course, cost money. So. Anyway, feature bloat, definitely something that uh, we want to think about and could be contributing, Mm. probably is, to the chip shortage. This is User-Friendly 2.0. 
We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0 on User Friendly on Facebook and Twitter, userfriendlyshow.com. If you want to hear more of the shows where the clips came from, check out there. We have our archives online going back several years, including our very first year. And you can check it out. So have you guys gotten your holiday shopping done yet? Nah. No, not done, but started. Yeah. Started is done. Yeah, I actually, believe it or not, I I got started this year. I actually got started when Amazon was doing that second Prime Day thing a while Uh back. Yeah, yeah, and I wasn't going to think much of it, and I went on, and their deals were actually better than the first Prime Day, and it's like, okay, these are some cool things. So I've got yeah. some stuff ordered that's come in. <laughs> cool, and you know, I think there's a lot of deals out there to be had this year. A lot more. The supply chain problems are less, mm-hmm. and it seems like a lot of retailers have overordered, so they're trying to get rid of inventory. So even with the inflation, that does help a little bit. If you want to shop, you can probably find some good deals on some things. One thing I ran into though that. Uh, was kind of a bummer is I've ordered some newer Amazon equipment like Echo stuff mm-hmm. and was going through and you have to be a little bit careful because when you order something in tiny letters next to the description, it'll say 2022 version. Oh. Well, I accidentally got the 2017 version. So I got this thing that was five years out of date and it's, uh, you oh, know, I was no. able to return it. But uh, yeah. wow. that is w- one thing to look for is just make sure you're getting the most up-to-date stuff if you're ordering tech because there's a lot of stuff out there. And, uh, read the fine details. Yeah. Read wow. the fine details. And it's easy to do. It is definitely easy to do that, especially you're shopping and going by quickly and all that type of a thing. But uh, in this particular case, it was a huge difference in the capability of the technology to have the most current version. The current version did cost a little more, but at mm-hmm. the end of the day, five-year-old tech, that might work in some circles, but it certainly doesn't in others. So, so have you, you, have, you start, have you started... Um, Figuring out what you want to do for um, winter decorations. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, there's so much to think about this time, of year. and there's so many holidays too. You know, Christmas yeah. and Yule and Hanukkah. And, and Hanukkah. There are, <laughs> there are 14 uh, holidays that celebrate at this time. Yeah, that's why I said yeah, 14, <laughs> which is really cool. So you know, and I love to look at the diversity of all of them because the decorations and the stuff that's done in that standpoint is a lot of fun and. You look at something and maybe not understand what it is and figure it out and what the background is. And that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Now, I like my light displays. Yeah. And I'm going to admit to it. I splurged for my Amazon tree that's controlled oh, no. and Ooh. all of that kind of thing. So <laughs> I'm going to have that set up. <laughs> well, I'm still happy with my Home Depot tree from last year. So it's so pretty. Yeah. Those are cool. <laughs> and then the, the other thing is, is Ikea has some very unique things. Oh, I yes. love it's Ikea holiday Christmas. decorations. It's based around the idea of Christmas, but it's something mm-hmm. you don't see anywhere else, you know? Yeah. So we're checking yeah, all that beautiful, out. They have beautiful, unique wrapping papers mm-hmm. that you just don't see in other places. And I, I like the the cool little Yule goat that they often get, you oh, know, yeah. put yeah, out. They have those so again fun. this year, too. It's <laughs> gone up a little bit in price, but they're there. All right. Well, listen, hope everybody enjoyed their Thanksgiving. Until next week, this is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022. User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com.
podcast available at userfriendlynation.com, theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.